delight in your commands because I love them. I reach out for your commands which I love that I may meditate on your decrees. Welcome to the Stone Pillar Podcast, a conversation that revolves around the teaching ministry of South Paris Baptist Church. I am your host, Dane Sampson. And I'm Brian Wilbur. In episode two, we dug deeper into Genesis chapter 31. And, and now in episode 8, we're going to dig deeper into Genesis chapter 32, which relates to uh, the sermons uh, that I preached uh, one Sunday ago and three Sundays ago. So um, I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then we will jump in. Father, uh, we, we ask you to bless this conversation as we meditate upon the Word of God and what it means for our lives and, and for all those who listen um, to this conversation. We, we pray that it would assist them in meditating and applying the Word of God in their own lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Awesome. So, Pastor Brian, in Genesis 32, um, Jacob wrestled with God. And yet the one he wrestled with is referred to as a man. In the sermon, you refer to Jacob's divine wrestling opponent as the God-man. Yes. Could you please elaborate on the nature and identity of the person that Jacob was wrestling with? Sure. Um, the, 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 text, the text is... Th there's, there's a mystery to the passage, I'm sh and I'm sure that that's intentional. Um, in Genesis 32, uh, verse 24, it says, And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. So, so the text is telling us that Jacob wrestled with a man. But then later in the passage, uh, we, we, we get an indication, for multiple reasons, we get an indication that this man that Jacob is wrestling with is actually God. And after the whole experience is over, Jacob, uh, he, he named the place where this wrestling match occurred, Peniel, which means the face of God. And Jacob just explains that uh, decision to name it Peniel by saying, for I have seen God face to face. So I think sometimes, this isn't really directly answering the question, but I'll get to that. But I think um, it would have been easy in the sermon to simply take the fact that Jacob wrestled with God and describe Jacob's wrestling uh, opponent throughout the text as simply as God. Mm-hmm. And and I don't think there would be anything wrong with that, but I but I but I wanted to I wanted to convey what the text itself is conveying the the the, the text authored ultimately by the Holy Spirit 
is comfortable telling us that a man was wrestling with Jacob. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to kind of capture, you know, capture that, that sense. And that's why I decided to refer to Jacob's wrestling opponent as the God man. Of course, the God man is that, that terminology is typically used to refer to our Lord Jesus Christ after the incarnation, when the son of God, truly divine, uh, uh, became permanently, permanently became a human being, hence the God-man. But it seemed, it seemed appropriate here in this context since the living God was condescending, lo lowering himself, and appearing to Jacob in the form of a man. It seemed fitting to capture that, that reality by referring to him as the God-man. But there's actually, there's probably even a, a, even a stronger connection than that in terms of uh, understanding. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't die on this hill, but the God man that Jacob wrestled with in Genesis chapter 32 probably was the pre-incarnate son of God. Mm. And I don't have time to unpack that argument um, fully, but I do want to call attention to a passage that that uh, didn't make it into the sermon, even though it was on my radar screen. In the book of Hosea, chapter 12, uh, the prophet Hosea uh, looks back upon Jacob's life and specifically his encounter with God in Genesis chapter 32. And it says in Hosea chapter 12, uh, verse 3, I'm going to read the verse 3 and the first half of verse 4. It says, in the womb, he took his brother by the heel. He is referring to Jacob. In the womb, Jacob took his brother by the heel, and in his manhood, he strove with God. And then it says, he strove with the angel and prevailed. He wept and sought his favor. So now we have... Genesis 32 refers to Jacob's wrestling opponent as a man. And then later we learn that that man is God. And then here in Hosea, Hosea understands that, that Jacob strove with God, but then also refers to this God as the angel. Mm. And there's really, there's a, whole, there's a whole theology of the angel of the Lord, yes. that, or the angel of God, that runs throughout the Old Testament, and I'm—it uh, I, it seems to me I'm, I'm convinced um, that that the this this special angel of the Lord, this special messenger of the Lord, who sometimes speaks as if he is God, mm -hmm. and I, I would say that. I would say that the reason that he speaks as if he is God is because he is God. Yes. Um, in fact, just to give our listeners one uh, illustration of that, in Genesis chapter 31, we are told that uh, the angel of God spoke to Jacob in a dream. It says in Genesis 31 verse 11, Then the angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob. And I said, Here I am. J Jacob is relaying this. And he said... The angel of God said to Jacob, lift up your eyes and see, 
all the goats that mate with the flock are striped, spotted, and mottled, for I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. And then in verse 13, still Genesis chapter 31, the angel of God says, I am the God of Bethel. <laughs> so the angel of God is God. Mm. And yet, and yet, uh, and yet there are also uh, clear indications that the angel of God is distinct from God. So it, it, it really, it reminds us of, of what John tells us at the beginning of the Gospel of John, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So the Word is distinct from God, and mm. yet the Word is God. Right. And I think that's how, that's how uh, the Old Testament presents the angel of the Lord. The mm. angel of the Lord is distinct from the Lord, and yet the angel of the Lord is the Lord. And so, so it seems to me... Uh, highly plausible. I, I don't have a. I, I'm not sure you can proof text this, but it seems to me highly plausible. Which which divine person would have this role of of representing Yahweh in heaven? Which divine person of the Trinity? Which divine person would represent Yahweh in heaven on earth, and sometimes appearing in the form of a man? Well, I would argue the one who eventually permanently became man in the incarnation. Yeah. So, so I, you know, so I, I think, um, so I think for multiple reasons, you, you know, it, it, it made sense to refer to Jacob's uh, wrestling opponent as the God man, because here is a God appearing in the form of a man. Moreover, uh, this is, this is almost certainly the angel of the Lord who is distinct from Yahweh and yet who is Yahweh. Mm. And all of that is anticipating the ultimate condescension of the Son of God when mm. he permanently became a man in the incarnation. Yes. So yeah. are, you, are you tracking with that? Oh, absolutely. I think that that makes perfect sense to me. Um, and I would, I would throw in uh, to this conversation uh, another verse that I think complements, and that's in Exodus 23, mm. starting in verse 20, where it says, See, I am sending a, a messenger or an angel. A malachim. I am sending a, an angel, a messenger before you to guard you in the way and to bring you into the place which I have prepared. Be on guard before him. Who? The malachim, that messenger. And obey his voice. Do not rebel against him, for he is not going to pardon your transgression, for my name is in him. If you diligently obey his voice, and shall do all that I speak, then I shall be an enemy to your enemies and a distresser to those who distress you. And then the, 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 the subject of this is, is changing. It, it shifts flawlessly from the angel. If you diligently obey his voice and do all that I speak, so it's like that. That that is really interesting, right? The 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 the, the voice of the angel, right? Equals equals what God says, right? And His name, the the name mm -hmm. of the the Creator of of heaven and earth, the 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 preeminent Creator of Yahweh Elohim. His name is in this messenger, um, and I think that. 
very much complements everything that you just said. Yeah, so I'm, I'm right on, right on, yeah. right on that track with you. I think that's excellent. <laughs> and, and you know, it's interesting you bring up Exodus 23, uh, 20 to verses 20 to 22, because we, we actually discussed that in Monday school yesterday. Oh, no joke. Yeah. yeah. No, that's funny. And, and I don't think you knew that. No. <laughs> but, um, but, but it's interesting because in Exodus 23, verses 20 to 20, you could ask the question, what is at stake in how the Israelites relate to this angel that God sends to them to guard them and to lead them into the promised land? And the answer is, everything is at stake. Yes. All, all, all of... God's authority is invested in this very special messenger. And if you obey him, it will be well with you. And if you do not obey him, it will not be well with you. And that's just, that's just what we see in the New Testament. Jesus yes, makes it very yeah. clear that everything is at stake in the way that we relate to him. If we receive him, we have life. If we do not receive him, we do not have life. And, and the beautiful... One of the beautiful things about the Genesis chapter 32 passage is that Jacob, you know, and, and how, how, much, how, how much Jacob knew, how, how much he could have unpacked it theologically, we don't know, but Jacob was interacting with this special messenger of the Lord, this God-man, the pre-incarnate Lord, who holds Jacob's destiny in his hand. Mm -hmm. And Jacob responds in faith. Mm -hmm. Jacob responds with earnestness. Yeah. Jacob... I will not let you go. <laughs> right. J J J Jacob responds in, 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 in honesty. Mm. And, and so that's a beautiful thing where Jacob has this incredibly dramatic and close face-to-face -face encounter with the living God appearing in the form of a man. And Jacob, he survives. He passes the test. He's not ruined. He's delivered. He's he's renamed. He's blessed. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's a that's a picture of how all of us must relate to the Son of God. Mm. Yeah, that's excellent. I love that. So let's let me shift gears. Uh, uh, assuming you want to shift gears, oh, uh, but but you know what 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 are you know what are some things that are stirring you up? Uh, from Genesis chapter 32. Um, I, I, I don't know how well this will translate to uh, a podcast to an audio format, but I'll, I'll give it a shot. Um, I, I really love the language. I love to dig into the language in which this was written and um, into the biblical Hebrew, uh, distinct from modern Hebrew. Um, and I, I really loved the, that passage right in verse 30, 20, uh, 30 chapter 32, verse 30, where uh, Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen Elohim, or God, face to face, and my life is preserved. Um, in this passage, we have this phrase. Uh, first, we have Peniel, which has the, the, carries with it the meaning of, as he translates it, the face of God, Peniel. That's why he called that place Peniel. For I have seen God, Face-to-face, -face, that phrase face-to-face -face is, is uh, uh, panim el panim, which uh, panim is, is a plural word. Uh, whenever we have the im suffix at the end of a word, it, it makes it plural. Like um, malachim would be angels. 
Talmudim would be disciples. So there's a plurality when we add the im suffix at the end. So I was very curious as to why this is, is plural, the, the plural faces to faces. And then it's not, it's not just any word for two. It's, it's el. It's panim el panim. And el is, is, a, is the root for the word Elohim. So it's like that's the root for the word for God is L or the power. And when we add an L to a word, it's a, uh, 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 what's the phrase for that? The theo theophytic names or something of that nature, like God in the name. Mm -hmm. So like mm -hmm. Elijah has the word L in the name, which is like the Lord is my God, Elijah. Um, Daniel is uh, God is my judge, mm -hmm. Daniel. Um, and so when we when I saw that the panim el panim, this uh, the, the this whole sentence you know peniel the face of God peniel the place, noun peniel for I have seen Elohim. Panim el panim faces God faces would be like a very literal mm -hmm. way of translating mm -hmm. these individual words, though that doesn't make sense in our in our English speaking ears. Mm -hmm. That's kind of confusing. And, and there was a substance there for me to meditate on. Mm -hmm. Why are there faces? Why are the faces of God? God has many faces. Uh, does Jacob have many faces? Um, and a few things jumped into my mind. One, uh, one thing that jumped into my mind was a verse in Ephesians, and I'll go there real quick. Where in Ephesians 3, verse 10, it says, uh, So that now, through the assembly, the multifaceted wisdom of God might be known to the principalities and authorities in the heavens. Many sides. Multifaceted. That's faceted is faces. Multifaceted, multifaceted, many faces. So we have this again in continuing this idea. It, it's apparent in the text that there's a multifaceted nature to God. His wisdom is multifaceted. Um, and that, that's kind of a curious thing, worthy of investigating, worthy of discussing. Um, the, other, the other stream of thought that I had was I like to wrestle. I, I like to wrestle, and, and uh, every week I have the privilege of, of wrestling with one of my brothers. We, we, I, I love martial arts, and we do martial arts together, and we wrestle. And in the process, in, the, in that natural human process of wrestling, you see many expressions, expressions of, aha, I got you. Oh, no, I don't have you. <laughs> you know, there's, there's ups and downs and all sorts of emotions being portrayed on the face. It's not just one face. There's many faces of expression occurring as a, it's just a human natural part of the wrestling match. The, the, uh, that brotherly competitiveness draws out a lot of expression. And the other part of that, building on that idea, is there's an intimacy that develops with, between brothers wrestling. I had a brother, and he and I would wrestle, and we grew closer together as brothers through wrestling. 
I have had disagreements with uh, folks and uh, um, with brothers and in the bond of fraternity. We have wrestled. And that wrestling match resolves whatever disagreement we had. And we build respect and appreciation for the other person through the wrestling match. So there's something there in a human sense that's very uh, poignant in this passage for, for those who have wrestled with someone before. Um, you know, you come out of that wrestling match and you feel much more connected to that person. Um, then taking the panim and looking at how panim faces or face in this passage is used in various places in scripture. In uh, the garden, Adam and Eve hid from the face of God. Mm -hmm. And it's, the word is panim. Uh, Abraham saw God face to face. Panim el panim. Um, Moses got to encounter God. And, and, and he didn't see him like his face. He got to see the afterglow mm -hmm. of, of God. Um, and, and these are very interesting things because all of these things, there's, there's an intimacy of relationship that is being communicated, either the breaking down of the relationship in the garden or the building of the relationship as we see here and with Abraham. And uh, there's, a, there's an intimacy as a husband and a wife are face-to-face -face for their marriage vows. That's, that would be panim, el panim. You're face-to-face -face and you're, you're, your soul is being expressed through your countenance and that person gets to experience that and there's a bond of relationship that is there between when two people sit like this face to face, there's a bond of relationship. So when I see this, I, all these things are informing how I see what is happening here. And it is, it is really profound. Um, you know, Jacob is, is through the initiation of the God man, he is being drawn into an intimate relationship with God, much like his patriarch, Abraham. Um, and, and that is, uh, that's exhilarating to me. I find that to be absolutely exhilarating because that's what, that's what I would want for myself and for my family and for my, for the listeners. Um, I want us to be drawn into an intimate face-to-face -face relationship with God and be that through wrestling, wrestle with him, wrestle through challenges in life, wrestle through questions in scripture, wrestle through these issues that, that, that could trip us up, that could supplant us, catch us by the heel and cause us to stumble. Wrestle through that. Don't, don't just land in the dust and stay there, but continue to wrestle through that in the intimacy of the relationship. Yeah, and, 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 and I mean, the face is, 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 is really, it's the most def definitive uh, part of a, of a person. I mean, mm. it, it's face to face, you know, the eyes and, and, and then, you know, speaking through, through the mouth. I mean, it's, it's that, per, it's very personal interaction and nothing is, nothing is more important than knowing that God is facing you with a warm and gracious countenance. May his face shine upon you. Absolutely. The, 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 there's no, and there's no, there's no neutral ground ultimately either, 
either the wrath of God is upon you mm. outside of Christ or, or the smile of God is upon you. Mm. And, you know, J Jacob, Jacob mm -hmm. leaves this encounter with God, which God initiated. Jacob leaves this encounter with, with the smile of God upon him. The, the, right. the, the, the blessing of God, the, the grace of God, the redeeming power of God is upon him. And that's just, it's just very, very powerful. And then, and that, you know, how that, you know, how that transforms our countenance. There, there, there is no better news than the news that the one who holds all power and authority and uh, greatness in his hands that that he is for us that his favor is upon us that he is glad to have us as part of his family and that he ha ha that that he undertakes responsibility to to look after us to provide for us and to bring us all the way home so i it's it, it's 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 rich uh, meditating upon that. What are you what are you there's, trying to find? What another, are you trying to find? I'm trying to find. I'm, I was here just the other day, and, and sometimes this happens where I, I just can't remember the uh, precise uh, chapter and verse. Um, so I'm going to have to paraphrase it, I think, because I just I can't quite find it. But um, there is there is a place in in Psalms where it talks about it. it, it I think it helps inform the multifaceted nature of of God. And it's, there's a verse where it's like the seven wisdoms. There's like the wisdom of reverence. And, and it's, it's a messianic passage where it's talking about the Messiah being filled with like the, oh, it's the, yeah, it's not seven statements of wisdom. It's seven statements of the spirit. Yeah. Uh, I, the I, spirit of wisdom, the spirit yeah. of reverence. And I, I am drawing a bit of a blank as to where it precisely is. It's in, it's in the early chapters of Isaiah. It's, oh, is it Isaiah? In, Isaiah? Oh, I'm in the totally Is, wrong book. <laughs> Isaiah 11.2. Oh, thank you. Oh, yes. Wonderful. Um, so that was, I felt was kind of uh, uh, helpful. Isaiah 11. Yes. Yes. The rod shall come from the stump of Jesse and a sprout from his roots shall bear fruit, and the spirit of Yahweh shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, and the spirit of knowledge, and the reverence of Yahweh. Mm -hmm. And in Luke 2, 52, we see Jesus growing in wisdom and growing in knowledge mm -hmm. as the spirit of God is, is pouring into him. Um, these, the spirit of God, the spirit of wisdom, mm -hmm. understanding, counsel, might, mm -hmm. knowledge, and reverence mm -hmm. are all filling him as he mm -hmm. grows into the maturity of a man. And is that the multifaceted nature of God? I would, I would venture a guess that yes, this, this is very much connected with the multifaceted, many faces of God. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was maybe helpful. I, that, that's, that's a, that's Thank true. you for helping me find it. I don't yeah. know why I thought it was in Psalms, but you know, there's a lot of good stuff in Psalms. <laughs> yeah, no, that's in in, uh, in our our brief uh, correspondence uh, in preparation for the episode today. You you also uh, 
You, you, you were also making a connection from Genesis 32 to, to spiritual Israel yes. uh, in the New Testament. Do you want to you flesh that out a little bit? I would. Um, there's a few places that, that kind of help build this idea. Um, one of them is in, is in Romans, and I want to say it's in Romans. Uh, is, it, is it 6, 9? No, it's not 6, 9. Maybe it's nine six. By the way, while you're while you're while you're trying to find that, just just to that's okay. Just to remind uh, or inform our listeners about this connection, um, in terms of the background in the text, uh, you know, in Genesis thirty two, um, as part of Jacob's uh, interaction with with God, God changes Jacob's name to Israel, and then and then just just a, a few verses later, all of a sudden we're told about how you know. Jacob being uh, being wounded by God in the wrestling match, um, how that actually came to shape the memory and even the eating practice right. of of the people of Israel, the, the right. nation that descended from him. So that's kind of in the background of how you're you're drawing right. the line from Jacob yes. to the the name change to Israel to the people of Israel to how that gets unpacked elsewhere Correct. in the Bible. Continuing the concept of you have the the name according to the flesh as being Jacob, which has the same root as supplanter, heel catcher, um, which ironically is a wrestling move. <laughs> um, so there's a physical name, and then the, he's given a spiritual name where God's name El is put into his name Yisrael. Um, so there's a spiritual name. And, and in Romans, Paul says that not all Israel is Israel. So there's a distinction to be made between the physical descendants of Jacob, Israel, and the spiritual descendants of spiritual Israel, those who have God's name in their heart. And I, I think there's some verses in Galatians that really helped me understand this. One was in uh, Galatians 3, 7. Uh, really starting in verse 6, where it says, Even so, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned unto him as righteousness. Know then that those who are of the faith are sons of Abraham. So now it's, it's not just the physical descendants of Abraham that are brought into the children of promise, but it is also those who are, it's those who are of the, it's not also, but it's those who are of the faith primarily those who are of the faith are brought in as children of promise so the sons of abraham there in verse 7 and then skipping over to chapter 4 verse 6 um it talks about and because your sons the lord has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts crying abba father mm -hmm. so you are no longer a slave but a son and if a son also an heir of God through Christ. So we are heirs of Abraham. We are heirs of, uh, of God through Christ. And the, we are like uh, the spiritual seed. Um, and we see this again, flipping over to 4 verse 28. And we, brothers, as Isaac, are children of promise. Um. And I find those to be very, very curious, very exciting passages. We are the children of promise. We are no longer slaves. Uh, we have been adopted 
into the family of the master. So like you have the master has his natural born sons and he has his servants. And these servant sons are, are not his bloodline, but there is a servant who in Proverbs, there is a passage where it talks about the servant um, taking taking the, kind of the place of the natural born son because the natural born son was wicked. And the natural born son did not continue mm -hmm. in the spirit of the name of his family That's right. and yeah. uh, bore the name of his family in vain, mm -hmm. discrediting and, uh, and, um, and dishonoring the family name. Mm -hmm. And so the father in his righteousness chooses a slave, low born, not noble, claims him as his own and adopts him own as his son because he is faithful and he loves the master. Mm -hmm. And uh, th this is such a wonderful thing. Like we don't need to be born into the lineage of Israel to be spiritual Israel, to, to have God's name put inside of our hearts and to be the children of the promise and to be the children of the inheritance, and we have this glorious inheritance through Christ. Um, and and these, this is all, you know, this is all referred to in the book of Galatians by Paul. And that is incredibly exciting. Galatians, the, the Galatians, they were not Jews. They, they, they were very Gentile. <laughs> they were, they were uh, you know, outside of the family of God, according to their bloodline. And I'm sure there were probably Jews in that area. But, you know, that, that, is a, that is a Gentile territory. So that is very exciting to me because that, you know, how, well, is there anything better than that? To be in the family of God, to be an inheritor of his promises? Is there anything more exciting than that? I don't think so. <laughs> that is probably the, the pinnacle of excitement for me. And, and um, good, good stuff here. Um, uh, talking about uh, the, the end of the end of Romans chapter two says that um, a true Jew is one inwardly. Right. It's about the, it's yeah. A, it's about the transformation mm -hmm. of a heart, which means that which means that a Gentile can be a true Jew, and an ethnic Jew could fail to be a true Jew mm -hmm. if his or her heart is not transformed by the grace of God. And I also think how making, you know, making this connection, then I think it's instructive to think about how what Jacob is doing or what is being done to him at the moment that his name is changed is instructive in terms of how his spiritual descendants uh, ought to relate to this God. And, you know, what, just thinking out loud here a little bit, you know, what, what, what can we learn? I mean, we, we can learn that God really wants us to know him. Mm -hmm. God really wants us to, to engage with him. He's the one who takes the initiative, but he's not, he's not looking for, you know, the kind of thing where, you know, he, he, he gives you, uh, you know, he gives you, uh, you know, a, a little gift from afar, and then you go on your merry way. Um, that's that's not that's not that's not salvation. Although that is how pagans relate to him, they they take his good gifts, whether they know 
that those gifts are from him or not, they take those good gifts and they go on their merry way. And they, and they distort, they pervert, they corrupt, mm. they dishonor. God wants to draw us near. Uh, that, that's, what he, that's what he graciously did to Jacob in chapter 32. He drew Jacob near. Mm. Um, and that's what God is always doing with his, with his people. That's what we see you know, in, the, in the book of Hebrews. We're told to draw near. So we, 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 we ought to be a people who, who draw near to God, who know him, and who lean heavily upon him for the great things that he is able to do, that he wants to do, that he has told us he's going to do. Um, and it's, so it's not, a, it's, not a, it's not a casual relationship. Mm. Um, you know, how, 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 so how many of us need, need this encouragement and exhortation from the example of Jacob to not treat God casually? He, he, doesn't, he doesn't want to be treated casually. Mm. He wants to be engaged with and, and, and sought after and laid hold of and, and you know, uh, don't, you know, I will not let go until you bless me, mm. uh, you know, kind of thing. Um, I also thought it was interesting. So, like, again, playing playing with the language and diving into the, the language of the text, I thought it was really interesting. I know there's a number of scholarly ways in which the name Israel has been translated. Um, the way I approached it was I kind of, and I'm not the only one, this is, I'm, I'm, I, I'm building on the research and study of other people who are much more uh, fluent and af uh, familiar with the Hebrew text than, I, than myself. Um, but what I noticed was Israel is uh, Yisrael. Um, and the root words, you have the El, which we discussed as being a root for Elohim, God, that's God's name put into the, the name of Israel. But uh, Sarah, the, the, the center of that name, Sarah, is from which we get the word Sarah, which means princess. And, and uh, Abraham's wife, her name was changed from Sarai to Sarah, princess. And we see Sarah being used in a, in a masculine context uh, as a prince. Throughout the text, 208 different references where Sarah is used to mean prince. Um, and one way in which you could interpret the name Israel is a prince of God. Um, a prince is an inheritor of the king. Uh, so spiritual Israel, uh, would w those of us who have God's name in our hearts, and have entered into his family. We are children of the king, and we are inheritors of the kingly blessings and kingly promises. He is our father. Um, and all this is playing in with the name for Yisrael, Ra, uh, Sarael, Prince of God, Yisrael, the Yeh would be like, he is Prince of God, would be one way um, that I've seen it rendered in the interpretations. And that's really exciting. I mean, he, here Jacob has 
through hook or crook sought the, in, the inheritance and sought the blessing from his father um, and has gone through the whole Laban portion of the narrative where he was really kind of uh, out swindled by uh, you know, his swindler of an uncle um, and, uh, and father-in-law. And here we have him, God's like, you're mine, and I'm going to, uh, I'm going to bring you into this spiritual family, and you're going to be receiving spiritual blessings and spiritual inheritance. Um, and you don't have to, there's no hook or crook going on here, but I'm going to meet you where you're at. We're going to wrestle together, and, and I will bless you. And I think that that's pretty cool, too. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. God, God is determined to bless His people, mm. and and it's and it's also interesting just thinking about how J. If if my memory serves me correct, Jacob, it, Jacob was about ninety seven years old when when the events of Genesis oh thirty two took place. I, I hadn't even thought about how yeah. old he was. Now, now that now wow. of course. You know, in, in terms of uh, in, in terms of our context of, of of our life expectancy, you know, that might you know maybe be like uh, being like you know fifty years old because I think he he lived to close to one hundred and fifty. He was about two thirds through of his life. So, but 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 it still does make the point that you know D- Jacob Jacob had this walk with God from earlier on in his life. Um, you know, of course, God revealed Himself. To Jacob at Bethel, that that would have been twenty years earlier when Jacob was about seventy-seven. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, wherever you're at in your life, mm. old or young, but but including if you're you're getting older, maybe you're hitting the halfway mark, or maybe you're the, the two-thirds mark. Uh, don't coast, don't coast. You know, you know, the, the 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 Lord wants to keep drawing you near and keep working in your life and keep transforming your life all the way, all the way through to the very end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. So be it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Pastor Brian are, you know, there is so many things that, um, you know, I'm sure there are many things that didn't make it into the message and maybe didn't make it into this conversation. Is there anything else that, you know, breadcrumbs, little things that, you had noticed in your studies and preparation for Sunday service that 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 didn't make it in that you would want to add what, share. Yeah, well, there's there, there's there's a there's a couple of things that they're not they're not they're not uh, entirely new, but I think they're worth pressing into a little bit more. Um, uh, I'm gonna grab grab uh, my manuscript here. Um, it, you know, it's interesting. I. I just posing the question, you know, do, do you do you have a tenacious and triumphant hold on on God's grace? Um, remembering that God is the one who He takes the initiative, and while we shouldn't expect to have, you know, an all night Jacob like counter in exactly the way Jacob had it. Um, we have to we, 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 we have to be honest about the fact that God through scripture commands us to seek him and by his spirit he prompts us to to come to him in prayer and through his 
providential orchestration of our lives. He's, 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 he's teaching us to draw near to him and to depend upon him and to be transformed by him. And my question is, when, when, when God is, is giving us those prompts, those urgent prompts, whether through scripture or by his Holy Spirit or through the exhortation of a brother or sister or from a life circumstance, are we, are we looking at that as a wide open door to draw near to our Heavenly Father? Um, there's, a, there's a quotation. I thought about this quotation, um, and then I, then I tried to... Then I, then I, like I typed it into Google and be like, you know, who, who said this? <laughs> um, and I found out that it came from A.W. Tozer. But hmm. the, the quotation is, we have as much of God as we actually want. And oh, that's really interesting. Well, well, I'm, I'm, well I'm not going. I'm not going to say that. I mean, that's not a "thus saith the Lord." Right. And and actually, in in its original context, Tozer was talking about the uh, being filled by the Holy Spirit. But I, I just I just take that take that sentence by itself. We have as much of God as we actually want, and I think that there's there's a there's a there's a there's a vital lesson there that relates to Genesis 32. Would Jacob have been doing anything wrong if he had let go when the God Man told him to let go? Well, just, 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 just. I mean, I mean, he, he, he. The God Man told him to let go. Right. So, <laughs> presumably, he wouldn't have been sinning if he had, if he had, if he had followed the instruction and let go. But, but, but the point is, is that. If we understand the larger context, God is bringing him to, like, what what do you, what what do you really want? How, how much do you really want, God? How much do you really wa- want His blessing? And I'm not talking about the blessing of you know uh, I want a seven figure income. Uh, I'm not talking that's that's just superficial stuff. Mm. I mean like real blessing favor. Grace, transforming power, uh, you know, you know, direction in 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 the ways of righteousness, uh, protection on the path of obedience. How much of God do you actually want? And I think I think so. I think Tozer's uh, insight there: we have as much of God as we actually want. Hmm. C- conveys a conveys a powerful truth. Um, you know, the, the Psalms, over and over again, the Psalms encourage us to, um, you know, to, to seek after the Lord. I mean, for, for, for example, um, we, we, ought to, we, ought to, we ought to look at um, God's working in our life as an opportunity to just be uh, completely dependent upon Him and completely surrendered to Him. For example, it says in Psalm 62, verses 5 to 8, for God alone, O oh my soul, wait in silence. He's, the psalmist is preaching to himself, right? For God alone, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only, only, he only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O oh people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. That's Psalm 62, verses 5 to 8. And, and 
My, my question is simply, how, how often do we just camp out in our own safe little world of, of, of outward comforts and, frankly, low expectations? Mm-hmm. Where are the men and the women who are taking God at his word, earnestly seeking his face? Did not Jesus tell us? Ask, and it shall be given to you. Mm-hmm. Seek, and you shall find. Mm. Knock, and the door shall be opened to you. Um, the book of James says, you have not because you ask not. How, many, how, many, how, how much do we lack in our life? Not because the Lord is unwilling to give it to us, but because we're unwilling to take hold of him. Yes, right. Yeah. That's that's a I'm going to this isn't necessarily the way we typically use this word. That's a dangerous thing to do. But it's 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 a good thing. It's not dangerous in a negative sense. But like you give your heart and soul to God, you take hold of him and you don't let him go. And you say, you know, whatever, you, whatever your will is in my life, and that is a sincere cry of your heart, that is a, a wonderful thing. But what a dangerous thing in the sense that he will answer that prayer. And he will use you for his purposes. And that might be Daniel in the lion's den. That might be a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego going into the furnace. That might be any number of, of really legitimate, real hardships that aren't, um, there's no sugarcoating them. They are, they are the, the trials are real. They are authentic, genuine trials and hardships. Um, and, and God uses those. He, he will. If you give them to, over to God, he will use those. And there's great hope in that and great promise in that and a great inheritance in that. But the road, uh, the road to Mount Doom goes through Mordor. And, and that is a, uh, to, to play on the, uh, the Lord of the Rings and the, 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 the story of the hobbits. You know, that is, an, that is the adventure of our lives. Like we, will ha- we will experience, if we give ourselves over to Christ in full sincerity and, and with singularity of mind, not doubleness of mind, like James talks about, you ask not because you have not, because you, you ask and there's, you're, you're double-minded. Um, that is an incredible surrender, and he will answer that prayer, and you will experience the greatest of adventures, but in the midst of the adventure, you might experience great sorrow, hardship, sadness. Give all of that, continuously giving those things over to God. It's, it's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. But it, like the disciples, they were the, the, one, the best examples of giving their lives over to God. Jesus... The the premier example of giving his life over to God, not my will, but thine be done. May this cup pass from me if it be your will. And he died on a cross. And they all died martyrs' deaths. Like we're not called to a life of ease. We're not called to a life of 
of uh, comfortable contentment. We are called to a life of, of challenge and we're called to a life of adventure. And, and in that life of adventure, there is hardship. And in that hardship, there is provision. And there is lessons, not just lessons in, a, in an abstract sense, but real life lessons that change a person at the soul level. Um, and that is, uh, that's scary at times. And that's dangerous even. It's a little reckless even to just say, I am not in control of my life. You are. Do with it as you will. Because he will answer that prayer, and you will be on a roller coaster of the most extraordinary adventure all the way to glory. Um, but you will, you will, you will obtain what can be obtained no other way. Absolutely. You know, yes. I, absolutely. I was thinking. You know, the 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 God Man is at, at some level he's testing Jacob. Mm-hmm in chapter 32 when he tells Jacob to let go. And it, and it makes me think of another passage. I'm going to read this. Uh, uh, just, just, just this idea of, of seeing our interactions with the Lord as, as he's, he's, he's testing us. He's, he's, he's seeing or, or he, he's, he's exposing what is really in our hearts. Um, but there's a remarkable encounter uh, of, of Jesus uh, with a Syrophoenician woman in Mark chapter 7, uh, verses uh, 24 to, to 30. And I'm going to start reading in, in verse uh, 25, uh, Mark 7, verse 25. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, from, for this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. What, what, what the God-man said to Jacob in, in Genesis 32 might have prompted some other man to let go and go on his merry way and miss the blessing. What Jesus, the God-man, said to the Syrophoenician woman in Mark chapter 7 might have led some other woman to be discouraged and walk away unblessed. But not this woman. She was not discouraged so as to walk away. She was, mm. she was, she was hanging in there. She was, she was adamant. She was contending for the blessing that she knew he could bestow upon her and specifically upon her daughter. And she got it. She, she, she prevailed upon him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she did. That's really, that's really cool. That's really awesome. Uh, uh, yeah, she, that's what an inspiration. Um, she didn't, she didn't want anyone to know. She wanted to do it in private and that wasn't an option. 
So she did it anyways. She didn't let her, her own personal shame or embarrassment stand in the way of seeking that blessing. He, he wanted no one... Uh, daughter uh, I might be missing this mistake missing this mixing this up with another another woman because this happened similar things have happened at other times there was a woman who was um, a, a prostitute and she came in and she broke a flask over mm-hmm. his feet and she cleaned his feet with her tears and dried his feet with her hair and there was you know great embarrassment for her to go in and to do this great shame because she she knew that she was a sinner but she knew where she could find grace she knew where she could find healing and she just clung to his feet and wept and anointed his feet and worshiped at his feet and kissed his feet um, and, and though it is a different story, I do see a similarity with this woman because um, how, how embarrassing, personally upsetting and shameful it must have been in that own woman's heart and soul to go and to humbly ask in this way. But nothing would stand in her way. She was... And, 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 and you know, the, the, uh, just beautiful thing here in terms of, I mean, here, here you have... Um, I'm assuming I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm assuming that Jesus has his disciples with him. So you, so you have, so you have, uh, a Gentile woman whose daughter has an unclean spirit mm-hmm. entering into a, a, a Jewish male world. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're just dealing with like normal social dynamics, um, that 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 would easily be a no go or wouldn't happen in the first place, but of course with Jesus, you're not you're never dealing with normal social dynamics, right? Because I mean he 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 came you know he came he came to this region, um, and of course he 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 came he came for the whole world so that men and women, Jews and Gentiles, old and young, people with all different kinds of problems would 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 draw near to him and find him to be the savior of the world um the savior of all those who call upon his name so do you have any final thoughts pastor brian i think that's good i i i I could say more but i i think i think i think we've covered some good ground in 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 this episode if if we if we decide that uh, we want to chew on this a little bit more. Um, we can always do that in the next episode. Yes. How about, how about you? Absolutely. Oh, there's so much. I feel like we could continue this conversation for a few more hours easily. Um, and maybe we do that next time, but this, this was very, this is very good, very productive. And I got a lot out of this just personally. Yeah. And you know, if you're, you're listening and maybe, Maybe there's a line of thought that you would like us to pursue uh, from Genesis 32 or from the larger, you know, 
biblical theological context of this passage, uh, we would be happy to have you submit a question at podcast at southparisbaptist.org. Um, we'd, be, we'd be happy to interact with, with listeners' uh, questions. Um, so uh, we're glad that you are there to listen uh, to this discussion uh, around the Word of God, and we hope that it is profitable to you. Uh, again, uh, uh, thank you to Aaron Darrell for the use of uh, his music at the beginning of the podcast, and also to Caleb Lynch for his fine uh, engineering uh, yeah. work that he does uh, to make this a reality. So uh, you can, yeah, you can do the benediction. Yes, uh, our, our behind-the-scenes personalities that make but, this all happen. But but behind-the-scenes work is very important because yeah. if that doesn't happen, then then this benefits no one. Yes. No, except, no, except, no, except for you and except me. Except for you and me, <laughs> right. Yeah, no, we, we are very thankful for, for the, their contribution. Um, that they're, they're excellent, those two men that you mentioned. So thank you, Father, for this time, and we just ask that our listeners and, and ourselves personally, that we go in your grace and your peace as you walk with us and you shine your face upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>